For many of us, the past year has been one filled with anxiety, uncertainty, and regret. It's hard to stay on track a normal year, and a normal year has nothing on 2020. It was a wild ride that left us wondering how to keep pursuing God when life gets turned upside down. So how do we make this year better than last? Join us as we walk through four different essentials of personal devotion to God together. Well, hello and welcome back to our weekly service. We are in week four. Can you believe we're already in the final week of a series we started just over three weeks ago called Honest to God. We're together as a spiritual family. We've been taking a look at four essentials of personal devotion. I'm so glad you're here, whether you're joining us online or you're here in the room. For those of you maybe visiting with us for the first time, my name's Stephen, and I'm one of the pastors here. We would love to get to know you. Please, if you haven't already, fill out a connection card, reach out to us. We want to get to know you and your family. So we're in the last week of a four-week series, really tying a big bow around this idea that we started talking about several weeks ago called personal devotion. You know, last year was really, really hard. We're week three in 2020, man, lots of things we want to see gone. Uh, I said this last week, I mean it, man, if it wasn't for Jesus and for the, the incredibly funny memes of 2020, I don't know if I would have made it. And so there's some things we want to leave behind, but we want to take some things with us into the future. We're recording this for future generations. I believe that I have saved the best memes for last. So I'm going to give you a few memes just to get us warmed up uh, today in service. First, we see this. These were my plans for 2020, but this is what happened. For all you office fans, that's pretty funny. My wife's a physician, so this is extra funny for me. You may not get it, but doctors are protesting and no one knows why. It's because their handwriting's so bad. Come on, anybody, anybody know any doctor's handwriting? What about this one? Hanging out with friends in 2020 looks a lot like this. <laughs> that's awesome. I love this one. I miss people, places, and things. So nouns, I essentially miss nouns. <laughs> and probably my favorite, having the kids home so long, once I became a parent, I finally understood the scene where Yoda gets so tired of answering Luke's questions, he just dies. <laughs> That's funny. You know, with this year behind us, a new year ahead of us, it can be better. And I don't think it's going to get better necessarily because of circumstances. However, I feel our circumstances are getting better. I believe that you can have the best year ever as you grow closer to God, as you're honest with God, and as you develop the habit of, of, of sincere, deep, personal devotion. You know, in the weeks leading up to this week, we've learned a lot about personal devotion. For example, week one, we learned how it all starts with worship, which is really all about the heart. Look at our theme verse for this series. It's Jeremiah 29, 13. You will seek me and find me when... You search for me with all of your heart. Your heart has a tremendous part to play in how close you are to God. It's important that you guard your heart. Why? Big idea for the series. Because the condition of your heart dictates the direction of our spiritual lives. You know, last week we learned about prayer. We learned about how to talk with God. The week before that, we learned about Bible study, how to know the will and the ways of God. And week one, we really opened up our series talking about worship as the foundation. Today, we're going to come full circle, right? Full circle. And we're going to talk about 
the essential of community. This last essential ties everything together and we grow closer to God in the process of building, cultivating the essential of community. You know, it's interesting, even though we drive on overcrowded roads, we fly in overbooked planes, and we have an overabundance of friends and followers on our social media channels, we as a people are more lonely than ever. And it's clear, it's clear that a lack of access to one another isn't the problem. So what is the problem? Well, the Apostle Paul writes this in Romans chapter 12, verse 10. He tells us to love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. John 15, 12 through 13 says this. Jesus says, this is my commandment. I love this. Love each other in the same way as I have loved you. For there is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. I have to imagine Jesus wasn't talking about Facebook friends or Twitter followers or those who have followed our Instagram. He denotes here that when we experience a deep community, right, with other believers, we also grow in our own relationship with God. Many of us never experienced this kind of love in the community we we have in our life. And God ultimately knows us very intimately. And for some in the room today, this is important, we are known, we, we know a lot of people, but are known by few, if any. We all know a lot of people, but we're not really known by anyone. And there's a difference between knowing someone and being known by someone. We exist in this vast sea of humanity, but have no real meaningful, uh, deep community. We wake up, we go to work, we come home, we binge watch a show, we eat dinner, we go to bed, we rinse, cycle, repeat. That's what happens. Even adults who see friends on the weekend often don't connect on anything deeper than maybe a meal or a dinner or a movie. We live our life around many people but experience life deeply with very few. It's interesting, even in our connected world, no wonder many of us feel so isolated and alone. God put this problem to words in the oldest story in all of scripture. In Genesis chapter one, verses one through eight, as we talk about community, let's go back to the very beginning, because I think it's important not to, just, not to just start from where we are, we're gonna start from where, but to understand what the original tent, uh, intent was for us in community. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and void, and darkness covered the deep waters. It says, and the spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good. Then he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness night. And evening passed and morning came, marking the first day. Then God said, let there be a space between the waters to separate the waters of the heavens from the waters of the earth. And that is what happened. God made this space to separate the waters of the earth from the waters of the heavens. God called the space sky. And evening passed and morning came, marking the second day. You know, we see here a story that many of us, if you've been in church any period of time, even if you haven't, you understand the story here of creation in Genesis 1. Here we see with little effort and divine creativity, God begins creating the heavens and the earth and everything within it. And he repeatedly says in these accounts that it was good. Let's jump ahead for time's sake. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, we learn where, Jesus, where God creates us. He says, then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. 
This is different than anything else God created. God shifts in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, and he connects us to his very character, to his very being. Have you ever wondered, maybe you're new to faith, what the word us means in this passage? I mean, we believe in one God. Well, this is an allusion to, right? The, this is, a, this is a, a reference to the Trinity as God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. He's three persons in one, co-equal, co-eternal, one in substance, okay? But, but listen, we don't wanna get stuck on that. We don't wanna overload you. We're gonna come back to that idea in just a moment. Let's keep reading in Genesis chapter one. Genesis chapter one, verse 26 through 28. He starts talking about our role. He says, they, I love that. They, people, mankind, right? They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth and small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created the male and female. He created them in his own image three times. Then God blessed them and said this, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. We skip ahead to Genesis chapter one, verse 31. It says here, then God looked over all he had made and he saw that it wasn't just good, it was very good. It was very good. This reminds me of kind of a story uh, uh, that we've shared several times. We have four children and every time Kyla gets pregnant with one of the kids, you know, she's pregnant, we go through this process of nesting, which is really preparing our home for that new baby. And it was really, really big the first time because we didn't know what we were doing. We bought a lot of stuff we didn't need. But by the time we got to four, we were really, really good at it. And I, I, I can't, I, when we finished the baby's room, we stepped back and we're just like, you know, our family was good, but this is very good. Like we're ready, right? We're ready. It's kind of like this, you know? And you read this story and you know the story, right? You know how things go from very good, they go from good to very good and then not good. And then not good in the story. Now, if you've been going for church for a while, know what you're thinking. You're thinking, oh yeah, I remember that. He must be talking about Adam and Eve and that apple, right? The fall. He must be talking about when Adam and Eve ate from that tree and sinned. Well, that definitely wasn't good. But did you know that the first time in history that things were not good was before sin ever entered the world? Look what it says in Genesis chapter two, verse 18. It says, then the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. Keep in mind at this point in history, there is no sin, no disobedience, perfect intimacy with God. Man was known, loved, accepted, sinless, and in perfect fellowship with God himself. And yet the word God chooses to describe man in this moment is still alone. The same God who has always existed within the community of the Trinity himself. Think about this, the Trinity. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, perfectly united and one. Unique in their persons, but one God. Now recognizes and wants us to experience community and belonging together. Here's what we learn is you were created to have community with God and others. You were created to have community with God and with others. By the way, you can't get out of it. Even the introverts in the room, you're going, well, I don't know about that. I really like being alone. Guess what? You stay alone long enough, you will be weird. Every person I see that's alone and lonely, they end up, they end up becoming weird, right? They get isolated. They're away from, from people. People bring life to you. They give significance to you. You were created for community. As a matter of fact, there's no substitute for community. There's no substitute for what we're gonna talk about today in spiritual community, which really is spiritual family. You know the rest of the story though. With sin came the fall of humankind and now all of us 
have a propensity to walk away from God's design, which is isolation. Isolation. And so what I want to do is we talk about community. Okay, I want to dispel some myths, okay? I want to dispel some myths uh, about community, you know? I, I think sometimes when we talk about community, it's real vague. It's, we tend to mix in, like, our cultural understanding of it. We, we think community is like being surrounded by a lot of people, being known by nobody. We think community is about all of these little insignificant, shallow connections we have, but it's so much more. I want to dispel some myths about community. The first myth I want to dispel about community, especially for believers the myth that my faith is private. You know, we have this in, a, in, in our world today, this idea. In other words, it's just about me and God. This is the exact opposite of what God shows us in the Bible. Listen to how the early church practiced their faith. It says in Acts 2.42, it says all, I'm gonna say all. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Look at this. And to fellowship. By the way, that's a Christian word for community. <laughs> You're fellowshipping with people. That's what that means and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. Did you know that real, authentic faith is cultivated in the context of spiritual family? Jesus gives us a community through his spiritual family, the local church. By the way, church is not, like, church is not just a place you go to, it's a spiritual family you're a part of. If you're here and you've never been a part of a spiritual family, I really believe that you can belong here. God created you to belong in his family. Don't take my word for it. Take your next step. Become a member. Join a small group. You won't forget it. Keep leaning in. Don't just consume, but step in and be a part of the community of God. The first myth is my faith is private. I believe your faith is personal, but it's not private. The next myth is this. I don't choose to be lonely. This myth says that I'm just like this. I'm just an introvert. I'm just lonely by nature. And while I believe that it is true, we all have different personalities. For example, my personality might surprise you, okay? I actually am very introverted. And what that means is I don't get a lot of energy being surrounded by a lot of people, right? I like to be surrounded by certain people. I like, you know, smaller numbers of people in, you know, one-on-one -on -one conversations. I enjoy a lot of time in the woods hunting things alone with no one else bothering me, right? Okay, but I was still, listen, this is so important though, but I still have to choose even more so than the extroverts to make sure that I'm surrounding myself with spiritual family. The truth is God may have made you introverted, but he never made anyone to do life alone. Romans 5, 12, when Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam sinned brought death, so death spread to everyone for everyone sinned. In other words, Adam and Eve chose loneliness and isolation and we still choose it today. You and I are not victims of Adam and Eve's sin. We are willing participants in it. And we see this in this propensity to do our life by ourselves alone. That's where a lot of our problems happen. I say this a lot of times to young leaders, and I believe it's true for anyone in life. You lose two ways. When you go too fast and when you go alone, you always lose. We avoid the people and places that confront us with the reality of the pain of our past or maybe something in our life today. You and I can choose to chart a new path and be a part of authentic spiritual family, but we have to get away from this idea that, 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 that loneliness just happens to us. No, 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 you choose loneliness. So if you can choose it, then you can also choose community. And what I wanna encourage you to do, choose community. By the way, you have to choose it even when it's hard. Community is difficult. You know why? Because you're difficult. Because I'm difficult. Because we're all difficult. 
Because we all have sharp edges. We all have things that really just get on each other's nerves. You know, as a pastor, I get a chance outside of service every single week to greet people and say hi and connect with new folks. By the way, if you haven't uh, done that here, I'd love to connect with you uh, during one of our services, but I love meeting new people. And every now and then I'll get somebody coming in and man, they're just so excited about the church. They love the message. They, they got connected in a small group, man. They, they did a discipleship course. They're, they're, they're growing in their faith. They're moving forward and they'll come up to me really excited. They're like, pastor, we're new here. And man, we just love everything the church is about. We love what you're doing. Man, this place is incredible. It's like people really really love us here. You know, we just feel so great. And I'll kind of smile at them a little bit and I'll say, well, just give it six months. <laughs> I know it's a little jaded, but it's true, right? We have this idea that it's all or nothing, but really community is always a mixed bag of the good, the bad, and the ugly. It's all mixed in together and we learn from it. And so there are times when you don't want to choose community, but you got to choose it, right? Loneliness doesn't happen to you. It's a choice. The final myth as we close, and I want to really zero in on this as we talk about uh, spiritual community, as we talk about the essential of community, specifically as it relates to our series on personal devotion, and that's this, the myth that the church is a place I go to. I think a lot of people have this myth. They talk about the church, the church. For example, uh, they talk about the church hurt me. Well, the church can't hurt you because the church isn't a person, right? The church isn't a building. The church isn't a place you go to, it's people. So in other words, what you're saying is I got hurt by somebody in a church. I got hurt by somebody I went to church with. I got hurt by somebody that, that, was, that was a part of my spiritual family. By the way, that does happen. But one of the biggest myths I think we got to dispel in community is this idea that the church is a place you go to, that it's an hour on Sunday. Look what Psalm 68, six says. This is actually a life first for me. It says, God, everyone say God. It's God. God's the one who does it. God's the one who places the lonely, right? Those who aren't in community into families. He sets the prisoners, prisoners free and gives them joy. This is an interesting verse. Did you know that loneliness is like a prison? Okay, it's a prison. Bible, the Apostle Paul calls sin, uh, it's a prison of sin and death for those who don't know Christ. But when you meet Christ, it's like all of a sudden the prison doors are open, but you still have to choose every day to live your life out of the prison. You're now free to do so. You're free to come and go. You can choose to be in the prison of loneliness. Or you can choose community. The church is more than a place you go to. It's a family that you're a part of. Community sets us free so that we can help others be set free. According to Jesus, our oneness, our community, our spiritual family is how the world will know our message is real. John 17, 21 through 23 says this. I pray he's talking about spiritual community. Listen to these, listen to these these, uh, listen to this for just a moment. I pray that they, will be, that they will all be one, just as you and I are one. As you are in me, Father, and I am in you. There's the Trinity again. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, there's the Trinity. I pray they'll be just like that. Complete unity, connected with each other, always there. And may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me. So they, not you, not me, but we, so they will be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you loved me. Did you know that the church is so much more than just me? It's always about we, us together. You want more in your life? Here's what you gotta do. You wanna, you wanna multiply your personal devotion to God? Let's put a big bow on this series. Get into a local church. 
practice your faith alongside other people. I'm telling you, it is like a match that sets your entire world ablaze. It's powerful when you connect with other people in spiritual family. Let me pray for you. God, I thank you so much, Lord, for the power of your word. I thank you, Father, for what you're doing in our church family. I thank you, Father, for what you're doing in us personally, but also us collectively. May we never lose sight that the church is so much more than a building. It's a spiritual family. It's not a place we go to. It's a place we belong to, right? It's, it's a people. It's a family we belong to. And I pray right now, Father, for anybody in here that's isolated, they're alone. I pray, God, that they wouldn't fall for the myth that loneliness just happens to them, Father, that they will choose community. I pray, Father, they wouldn't fall for churches and activity, but a family, a community to be a part of. I pray, God, as we go throughout our week, I pray that we honor you and we go closer to you as we go closer to each other. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.